high functioning directly deals with the realities of mental illness and mental health issues. As a result, some listeners may find this content triggering. We encourage listeners to tune in and out in a way that feels safe for them and seek support if they need. If you are in crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest hospital. If you're in Canada, you can also call Crisis Services Canada at 1-833-456-4566 or text 741-741. This episode contains candid discussions of depression, anxiety, suicide, privilege, dissociation, ADHD, professional and personal support systems, medication, therapy, and the struggles we've had coping with mental illness. Hey, I'm Britt. And I'm Amira. And this is High Functioning, a podcast about people who struggle with mental illness while still maintaining seemingly productive and successful lives. Right, we're basically trying to be as millennial as possible by starting our own podcast, and after this we're actually going to go grab some avocado toast. And we're not buying a house, to be clear. <laughs> because of the avocado toast. Alright, today's topic is attention and focus amir has a has a little uh smile on her face like a conniving little smile <laughs> would you like to explain your smile i have adhd <laughs> so <laughs> this is gonna be a really interesting episode an exciting episode uh i will probably tune out multiple times throughout the episode that's fine we've also been talking about lots of things today and so we're tired particularly uh, if we do play this in order, um, we've recorded the privilege episode today, and that's an exhausting uh, thing. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, exhausting, particularly for those who have less privilege. Uh, Mira was very brave in sharing lots of different things um, for the sake of our learning, something that, if you listen to the episode, you know is not, is going above and beyond and not her responsibility. But, understandably so, fucking tired. We're also not talking about that today. We're talking about yeah. focus and attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things I'm just going to throw out there right away with focus and attention is a story from this week, which I'm sure we have stories every single week of how our mental health has distracted us um, in many ways. I've talked about being on medication, being off of it. And um, one thing that's really happening to me now is my since being off my medication is my anxiety has been heightened two levels I haven't experienced in a few years. And I'm also in school um, with lots of tests and I'm super distracted. And that's been really hard because it compounds into this cycle of totally irrational thoughts of um, I'll try and focus and then I'll have an anxious thought and I'll be ruminating on it and ruminating on it. And then I'll realize that I haven't been focusing on my schoolwork and then I start ruminating on the fact that I might fail. And then I start ruminating on the fact that, well, why did I go back to school? And you get into these these cycles and it often feels like there's no way out. By the time um, you do get out, if you do, I have some strategies usually involving kind of grounding myself, um, 
talking to my safe people or just like listening to a really loud song and drowning that out tends to work sometimes. But then, yeah, you realize just how distracting that was and how, um, how hard focus is when your brain is going a million miles a minute. Yeah, there's this really horrible loop you get into of anxiety and non-focusedness where you get anxious because you're not paying attention and then you can't pay attention because you're too anxious about the fact that you weren't paying attention and it just keeps like going and going and going it's like the energizer bunny and you just can't make it stop it's interesting (laughs) but um in the context of being high functioning like this isn't the first time that i've had anxiety while in school um i just it's been a while um i still succeed I mean I don't know this time around because uh, the program I'm in now has been incredibly challenging and it's different life circumstance and whatever but um yeah I don't really know how like in my first undergrad and in high school you know both of us are high functioning we both got like really good grades um but there'd still be like lots of days of just like mass like rumination and cyclical thinking and so much distraction and then um I don't know like the marks are still there and then you know people use that as an excuse of like oh well you're not struggling or particularly with ADHD not diagnosing when the diagnosis is needed um and I'm wondering like what do you think how do you think that happens like what do what have you cracked the code of how we manage this no I think the number one reason I went until my mid-20s without getting diagnosed with ADHD was the fact that I was smart and I was able to push push through and get around it, but I wasn't really pushing through. I was struggling really hard. I couldn't focus. I had no attention span. Um, I was constantly anxious, and, and, you know, I'd look around and see everyone taking notes and being able to pay attention and focus and sit and study and sit, sit still, uh, and I would be sitting there anxious, you know, watching everyone fidgeting, um, just not being able to participate in the way that I wanted to be participating I'd sit through a class and be like I didn't hear one word of that entire lecture uh and then you know have a have an anxiety you know spiral and meltdown about the fact that I wasn't paying attention in any of my classes and there was constantly this question of what am I doing wrong why am I not doing this right you know I'm not am I not trying hard enough am I not good enough or smart enough uh but when you're high functioning it's at any cost so it would would literally be at any cost to try to just learn something whether it was you know talking to myself being like you're an absolute moron figure this out and sit down and shut up and just do some work because it's not that hard and which is awful which is awful just being super hard on myself uh you get it done there's there's no alternative there's no choice there is no um sympathy for not being able to focus sometimes yeah and I know for me kind of reflecting back now what I remember is like sometimes it'd be so hard like so massively hard to write down like three lines of a paper mm-hmm. and then sometimes I could finish a paper in like an hour like a 10 page paper or something like an hour is an exaggeration there's just like no rhyme or reason to it you kind of like like one thing I'd have to keep telling myself is that oh it ebbs and flows okay but what if I don't have an ebb before the deadline like what if I don't have a break from this before the deadline and then you hope that accommodations are in place and I've definitely taken uh taken accommodation before um particularly for deadlines and then I feel really guilty because then all of a sudden 
you know, when I do get that like break and I can focus uh, on whatever it is and then I just like spit it out no problem. Oh, why did I need an accommodation? And is this unfair? And that then brings up another loop of rumination. And it's, um, yeah, it's just like the way that uh, anxiety for me affects my focus, the end result doesn't match up with what people expect it to match up with. And so then the stories I tell myself are pretty mean. Mm -hmm. You know, you end up kind of shitting on yourself a lot. Um, No matter what path, you're either shitting on yourself because you're not getting the work done um, or you're shitting on yourself because you asked for an accommodation or you're shitting on yourself because the way that you learn is different from the way other people learn. Yeah. Like I've had a lot of situations where, you know, people would laugh because in first year, Everyone thought, like, when you first meet, you know, your new friends, whatever, you're in class. I'm like, I'm not taking notes. Like, I'm distracted. And I'm kind of I, – I numb myself sometimes through scrolling. I think other people do that as well. It's, like, kind of gets addictive. And it's an easy way for me to just shut off my brain. Um, and so, yeah, there's been countless lectures where I've just scrolled the whole time. Um, and then people think I'm, like, dumb. Yeah. And I've had comments of, like, people being like, oh, like, I thought you were this way when I first met you. Or, like, you weren't, like, a reliable, like, lab partner or reliable whatever. And, like, and I don't take that personally. Like, I understand why I don't I don't act in class the conventional way of acting in class. Yeah, or I think sometimes you can even get that reputation of, you know, you you screw off all class and then you still get great grades. Yeah. So, like, you don't have to put in any effort to be successful and I like sometimes I'll like question that too for myself oh like am I just like does this just come so easy to me like whatever forgetting that like before that two hours of like actual focus work there was like 12 hours of like not being able to focus and like racking my brain and everything like it's not easy like it wasn't easy I know that I have strengths we all do um and they uh, I know that you know the certain way that our systems are built for school really fit my strengths so perhaps yeah in some way things are easier but they're not like it's not the way people think like it's still really hard I still struggle in many different ways just different from what might be assumed of me if Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah focus is is kind of an interesting thing what I kind of want to point out and and what I've noted is that your inability to focus pay attention sometimes is driven by your anxiety Mm -hmm. for the most part whereas a lot of my anxiety is driven by my inability to focus and pay attention so we sort of have the exact opposite um, ways in which both of our issues manifest Mm -hmm. but they're equally uh, crippling yeah that's that's the key word there right like crippling and uh yeah how no one really understands or takes it seriously because we succeed at the end of the day like you don't know what goes into that success at all it's Mm -hmm. just like I'll say like oh well I don't work hard but I do work hard it's just uh yeah I don't know you tell yourself a lot of different shitty things yeah I, I also going back a little bit into my ADHD experience um the way people typically think of ADHD is they think of, like, that really hyperactive part, right? Like, they think of, like, rambunctious little boys who can't sit still and are running around and raising a ruckus. And while that may be true for some people, it's absolutely not true for a lot of people, especially women. And the way that we 
diagnose ADHD is based off of studies that were only conducted on young boys. Classic. So the, the symptom scorecard, essentially, the list of symptoms of ADHD are the ones that are typically only seen in young boys, whereas in young girls you see a lot more um, disengaging, not paying attention, spacing out, daydreaming. These are all things that sort of create isolation, uh, but they're not seen as ADHD or, or a medical condition. It's just seen as, you know, this girl is dumb, she's spacey, she's got her head in the clouds, she's not really paying attention. Um, whereas for me, and then for me it was just chalked up to, well, she's smart so she's bored all the time. And I was bored all the time because in general I'm just bored of everything all the time. <laughs> and, you know, I can't focus on one thing for more than five minutes without getting bored of it or without ADD starting to come through yeah. and tell me I have to go to a different task. But the way that we look at these issues is just... Um, very black and white. Is very black and white, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, and that's definitely been said to me before too, like, oh, you're bored because you're so smart. I'm not bored for me personally I'm not bored I'm just distracted because my brain's kind of my brain is in space right now that space happens to be an anxious mess of thoughts that I am irrationally telling myself um but yeah like it goes back to um the experience might be different in terms of what causes us to maybe space out or not focus in the conventional quote-unquote conventional way of focusing um but the way that it's interpreted, particularly because we both have been pretty successful, um, is very similar and that it's like super black and white. Like there is no gray area. And I guess if there's anything to take away from this episode is just like we really want to enforce like how much gray area there is. Mm-hmm. Um, how there is no real or how the metrics that we have put out for like good attention just don't make sense because I can very well say, and I think you can agree with this as well, is that like I would give my attention a score of like maybe 0.5 out of 10. Um, oh God, if you're a 0.5, what does that make me? Fair. All <laughs> up a little bit. Um, you got to be at least a four. Oh, I'm also coming from a place where I've been like super anxious and super noticing it, super noticing my um, distractions because I'm studying and right. I'm on like a very tight deadline. Yeah, we're in midterm season for context. Yeah. Well, Brit's in midterm season. Yeah. I haven't. I love how you said we're. <laughs> I go through this journey with you. I I love that. No, um, none of my friends are currently in school, so you saying we are in midterm season makes me feel really good because right. I don't hear anyone saying that we're in midterm season. Um, but yeah, so like right now, maybe I'd give my attention like a one. But yes, normally I would give it slightly higher. But then if you look at like success metrics, like my grades and stuff, um, like probably like nine or 10 out of 10. Um, and so, yeah, connecting those two things just doesn't make sense. And I understand why people want to, we want to make sense of everything because it makes it easier for like rules and uh, a sense of calmness. And I would love rules. Like, I, I would love an explanation for how I managed to make those two things connect. Um, but I don't know if it exists. Yeah. Another thing I want to point out is when I first started talking about mental health and mental illness, this was before I was even diagnosed with ADHD, uh, an old teacher of mine asked me, she said, you know, a lot of kids are struggling with their mental health in the classroom. What, like, do you have any tips? And the first thing I told her was, I can guarantee if someone is dealing with depression and suicidal ideation, they don't give a shit about your class because for them it's not about should I do these 10 math problems, it's should I hurt myself? Mm -hmm. Should I find a way to not exist on this planet anymore? So your 10 math questions are looking pretty stupid right now. They're not a good use of brain power and brain space. 
And I think if we have more folks recognizing teachers, educators, people in positions of power and educational institutions in particular, recognizing that uh, people only have so much headspace. Mm. Students only have so much headspace. And life happens, and there's a good chance that your class will not be the biggest priority when shit hits the fan in their life. So what are we doing to create accessible classrooms and accessible learning environments? Not just for different types of learning styles, whether you're a kinesthetic learner, an auditory learner, a visual learner, but what are you doing to make that classroom accessible for people who learn differently and have different life circumstances that may or may not prevent them from participating in a class in the way that you deem fit? I think that goes beyond classrooms, of course, to workplaces as well. Yep. Um, and we've talked about this and we do want to do an episode on like what an inclusive workspace looks like and yeah it's beyond just accommodating different learning styles or different work styles like it really is about just accommodating like different humans who have so much to provide and give um, but may not be able to reach that potential in the circumstances or in the constraints that a classroom or a work environment or a specific teacher or a specific boss has given. Yep. Um, I think like looking at that, I don't want to dive too much into like what those spaces look like because that could be a whole episode on its own. I just think um, kind of reflecting on my experiences, like when people are like, well, what strategies have you used? Um, so kind of veering that conversation the more strategy way. Is it wrong to say that like, I don't even know? No, I think my strategies change depending on the day. Yeah. Right? Like, I have a number of different strategies. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't work. Sometimes I like one more than others. Uh, it really depends on what works. Like, one of the things ever since I've told people that I have ADHD is I always kind of being like, you should use this app. Oh, yeah. This scheduling app. And that just doesn't really work for me. Like, yes, I do need to use something to help me schedule better because I'm constantly double booked or triple booked and then people get really upset with me because I have to bail but not not all strategies work for everyone it's not one size fits all and I think that goes for Everything. any mental health issue right mm-hmm. like it's not just focus and paying attention focusing and paying attention that's this way for me in particular I have a couple strategies that I sort of uh, go to every single day and those are like my main ones and if those aren't working then it's sort of an indication that okay I'm a little bit more off than usual uh, the first one is I wear a ring that acts as a fidget toy, a seven-day ring project. Um, check it out. It's great. Um, but I wear this ring, and I fiddle with it constantly at work. And the reason I like it is because it's a ring and not a fidget spinner. People don't look at me funny when I'm playing with it. I have a fidget cube that I keep at work as well. But number one, some of the the pieces on it make noise, and that can really irritate my coworkers. It's like when someone's clicking a pen, yeah. and it can be really irritating. So or I like try to typing be typing really loud. Yeah, so I try to be really mindful of that. The ring makes zero noise, so that's helpful. It doesn't draw any attention to myself, uh, and it just. I feel like a lot of people kind of fidget with rings, so it doesn't look that weird or mm-hmm. that different. It doesn't sort of out me in any way. So I think that's the number one thing I have. It's just. It's a safety thing. I always know it's there. It, it's kind of a grounding technique. The second one is I've started to just recognize when I can't be sitting still at my desk all day just to go for a walk. Yeah. Take a quick walk, go around the block, go around the office, just go from like one, just go one floor down, do a quick lap and come back, come right back up. Just something to get me away for a second. Um, sometimes I'll allow myself to just give in to the 
the ADD and, and, you know, go distract somebody else or go talk to someone else because, okay, I need some social interaction. I need something to change up what I've been doing all day. I can't just sit at my desk for eight hours straight and work. I'm just, I'm not built to. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone is built to, honestly. No, but I work in an office environment. That's the expectation. So what am I going to do to set myself up for as much success as possible in a situation and in a environment that really wasn't built for people like me. Mm -hmm. I would argue, um, like, I definitely am seeing a big trend towards moving away from your, like, typical office nine to five. I think it's more talk right now than anything, but, like, a lot of research is showing how, um, like, maybe that was conducive for a factory environment, but even then, no, because there was, like, an exploitation of power and that had it, obviously, its complexities and its issues, but we're just, like, we're not built for a nine to five, like completely focused. Like our, I don't know anyone who can completely honestly say that from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. they are like, go, 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 able, or like even seven days a week, maybe one day you have that like magical day where you can like pump all that out. I just don't think it's conducive. And I think, yeah, we all have different strategies to try our best to make it work. And kind of just a quick aside to the inclusive workplaces, I think um, the ideal inclusive works workplace or school allows everyone the ability to use whatever strategies they have um, and as their strategies change, like a flexible, open strategy to do the work that you need to do to get to the deadline or get to the final product. What that actually looks like, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think uh, you made a good point of like strategies change day by day. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of flexible work strategies and just sort of okay, here's the task you have until this deadline to get it done. What you do in between is up to you, Mm -hmm. but that's the deadline. I'm super, I'm a big fan of that. At the same time, though, as someone who deals with ADHD, I find routines really helpful, Mm -hmm. and they actually really help my anxiety. So some of my worst anxiety and depression happens on the weekends when I have an open schedule and I don't really know what I'm doing. I need that rest time, but it also creates a lot of ambiguity and uncertainty. So the consistency of the workday and, and not having to make those decisions. Like, have you seen how, like, Mike, Mark Zuckerberg will wear basically the same outfit? Because yeah. it, like, removes <laughs> the number of choices you have to make. Yes. And we've talked before about how having fewer choices to make makes you happier. Mm-hmm. So not having to think about where I go to work, what time I start working, what time I stop working. Just knowing I get up, I put my clothes on, I go to work at 9 o'clock. Sometimes is helpful. Hel- is helpful because it's, okay, I have to do this thing. Even though I don't really want to, I need to get out of my rut. I need to get out of my own head and I got to do the thing and, you know, be high functioning. That can sometimes be really helpful, but not always. I actually agree. I think about, um, I think for me, especially right now where I'm re-experiencing like a really distracting anxiety and uh, having, having it have such an effect on my schooling and my day-to-day life. I kind of forget like what strategies have worked for me in the past but in you saying that it reminds me like sometimes um i will schedule if i have like a study day that i plan for myself i will like schedule in like where i will go to grab a coffee and like which library i'll go to um and i think the hard part is like learning um not the hard part but one caveat there is like you kind of have to learn your environment perfectly like if there is ambiguity 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 yeah Ooh, um, you have to learn your environment perfectly. So like at my school right now, a lot of the um, study spaces get totally booked up mm. and that's super overwhelming. Like I have a plan in place and I'm going to go sit and I have this, like I imagine myself like sitting in that particular study spot and like 
that's what feels right. That's what feels is going to be productive today. And then I get there and there's like no seats. And I'm like, I can't, I'm like kind of stuck in that. Just, okay, where do you go next? Where do you go next? And the next thing you know, it's been 45 minutes. And I only had three hours to study. And then do you even, you can tell like this cycle is ongoing. Yeah. The ambiguity in your life right now stresses me out. Fair. Oh my gosh. Same. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's more stressful for me than it is. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. I, I like to make plans. It's like flexible planning. Like I don't want to be forced into plans. Like I know that when I had to, when I was working and I had to go to work every single day from nine to five, that was super overwhelming for me. Um, deadlines aren't as overwhelming as long as I know that like, like, same as you can get accommodation in school. Like, I have a manager who's more understanding. I don't know. We're really going... Like, I keep going into this, like, inclusive workplaces thing. But just on, like, how do we function is something that my brain is really kind of wrapped in right now. And kind of analyzing that to think of what, what did work for me, what didn't work for me. But I do agree having routine and a clear answer, so to speak, about what your day is going to look like is good. I think sometimes even just having the option of flexibility helps. Yeah. Like just knowing it's there. You don't need to take advantage of it, but just knowing you can makes, a makes it makes it okay. Like so okay, so I had accommodations when I was in school. Um, one of them that they gave me was extra time for my exams. Now I never used it because my attention span would run out long before the exam would be over, which was really difficult because I knew I had a very limited amount of focus I could ever have at one period. So I think it was about 45 minutes to an hour was kind of the sweet spot where I knew, okay, I could somehow, you know, keep the ADD at bay for this much time. A lot of my exams were three hours though. So what that meant was I was writing these exams and I would rush through them as fast as possible. I wouldn't check my work because I just, I couldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't go back to questions I couldn't figure out. It's either you do it or you don't do it. Yeah. Uh, it was like a, a massive race against the clock. And a lot of other people were racing the actual exam clock. No, I had maybe one-third of the exam clock. And the amount of anxiety that created for me was ridiculous. And subsequently, the amount of depression that then created because I couldn't do as well on the exam or, oh, why couldn't I go back to that one question? And you get so mad at yourself. Again. I get so mad at myself. I'm high-functioning. I can't – failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. I had to do well, but my brain wasn't letting me because I didn't have enough time. There's just not enough time to do what I wanted to do. Like, I might have even been smart enough to know the answer, but I couldn't, I didn't have the attention span and the, and the focus to just put it on the piece of paper. In that way, um, just to put a bit of a, like a positive light is, I think uh, learning that you can pump out that much stuff in like an hour and then like kind of fuck off for the next, like, you know, it's not, but like I'm thinking in a work environment, like, um, some people can be really steady and just do work as it goes for those eight hours. And then some people um, have kind of trained themselves to pump out a lot of like really hard work and then they're exhausted and then you just kind of distract yourself or whatever for the rest of the hours of the day. Yeah, it just goes back to like everyone has their own way of succeeding. Um, And like I really, I just like, I'm, I'm in awe of people who can do like a very regular like, yes, I am focused and like kind of go through the day because it just feels so different from the way that I focus. And Mm -hmm. granted from like the way that the people I surround myself focus as well, like I think a a lot of my friends struggle with mental health in some way or another. And so I can see how it affects their focus for sure. Um, But I also have seen 
this is something I'm really envious of. Um, just like people who can super hyper focus and they can stay on a task even if they don't like that task for like hours and hours and hours on a time and like just so like pinned in on it. And I get super envious of that. So there is a hyper focus element to ADHD mm-hmm. and it's a blessing and a curse because if you get the hyper focus to be on the right thing, you're golden baby. Yeah. But if it's not, which it often isn't, you end up in these like ridiculous rabbit holes where you've spent four hours on a Wikipedia article about God knows what. Like I went, I got in one um, like hyper focus ADD rabbit hole the other day about different types of typeface. <laughs> and it started because there was an episode on Netflix on this show called Abstract about typography. And I just went down this rabbit hole and suddenly it was like three in the morning and I was like, I have to Damn. work tomorrow. Um, have you heard of the Wikipedia game? No, but don't tell me because I'm probably going to play it. You'll probably time be really good. I'm just going to tell you quickly because it's okay. fun. You get like one starter, like Wikipedia search, like microphone, and then you get a set, like an end search, like I don't know, door, and then you have to click on links, like hyperlinks within Wikipedia to get to that end place. It's fun. I think it's fun. Anyways, clearly you. That know. just sounds like a Tuesday night. Yeah, fair. <laughs> you start at like. <laughs> the netflix abstract start looking at typeface and then <laughs> where did you end up i don't even know where i ended yeah. up yeah it's fair um i mean it's it, like the grass is always greener like when like, i think oh hyper focus could be great and yeah i'm sure when you're hyper focused on the right thing yeah it happened to me while i was writing a paper once and i was just like boom boom and it boom. was like the best hour ever this is so awesome <laughs> i also love it's like only an hour like oh yeah it's an it's like, an, okay, like it's for like, that hour there's just like fucking like lightning like yeah, life is like, like have you seen limitless uh, yes but i don't remember any movies. okay well it's basically just like where like all the crazy things are happening in his mind you can kind of like see it on the screen and yeah that's hyper focus that's <laughs> that's hyper focus yeah it's different um from what i experienced for sure um I would like to learn more strategies around how to focus when I'm anxious. And uh, I've had, especially this week, has been like a really anxious week with a lot of deadlines. Um, and step one was like getting a, getting accommodation and being okay with that. Um, and even though I talk about mental health stigma and all that stuff, uh, my first reaction to my mom saying, well, don't you think you should get some accommodation was, well, I don't deserve accommodation. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we can obviously, I'm sure you can relate to that. And it sucks. It's a shitty thought to have. But sometimes I think actually with like my mental health stuff and um, even my focus stuff, like trying to l- separate like logic and emotion, like, yes, getting accommodation feels not right. Um but do I have a mental illness? Yes, check. Like, can I say that it has affected my focus? Yes, check. Is focus related to success in school? Yes, check. And then like not asking myself the other questions of like, but do you still get good marks? Like, no, I'm just gonna ignore that question. Even if you still get good marks, that doesn't mean you're not entitled to help. help, Yeah. Right, like your grades should not be 
the determining factor as to whether you deserve to have the same level playing field as everybody else. I guess like it's hard when you have good grades to think that you're at a different level playing field. But then what? I, what? Those... But what do you have to put yourself through in order exactly. to get there? You go through way more hell than anybody else. Exactly, and that's that's the hard part to like recognize until kind of afterwards. Like um, this week, I can reflect back and look at like, yeah, I sat in a Starbucks for four hours and tried to study for this test and then couldn't like literally out of those four hours I'd say like three hours and 15 minutes were spent like scrolling Facebook I have nothing of importance to look at on Facebook but that's how I was like kind of numbing my like anxious thoughts yeah and I think a lot of people who are maybe neurotypical uh may be thinking oh my god I do that like I that happens all the time yeah it happens to everyone to a certain extent but we're talking every single time you're trying to do something and like, you're trying to do just the smallest, easiest, simplest little task, and you just cannot do it. You physically cannot do it. It feels so heavy, and it feels, yeah, so hard. And the thing is, is I've had periods, stretches of time, where my brain does fit a bit more of a neurotypical mold, and I know what that feels like. Like I, But I forget, right? Like I forget that I know what it feels like to be focused um, in a way that is productive and not be distracted by anxious thoughts and like how my work turns out then and how my exhaustion levels turn out then and then I also know you know in this period of my life right now how it feels to be like super anxious all the time get some work in and then when I'm not anxious which is like sometimes at least for me like kind of late at night and then I'm like oh my brain's kind of like light and float like floaty right now like the way that I want it to be and all of a sudden I can focus but then I'm focusing until one in the morning and then I'm exhausted and then I'm extra anxious the next day like I know what both of those things feel like um, I tend to forget that I'm kind of at a disadvantage right now. And then that's when the thinking of like, well, I don't deserve accommodation, blah, blah, blah. But no, like it is totally normal to be distracted. Um, I think it's so hard not to like we're in such a digital age and notifications, blah, blah. blah and like that's so, so, so normal. And it's normal to um, spend a whole afternoon on Instagram. I get it. Um, but for me personally, like I don't maybe someone listening you know does relate to this maybe you don't I don't know but for me personally like if I'm spending an afternoon on Instagram it's because I'm trying to numb the like cyclical anxious cycles in my brain that will not stop thinking and will not stop like my discomfort and so maybe if I scroll for like 15 minutes or an hour it'll make me feel calmer like it is a strategy even though it's not the most effective strategy it'll make me feel calmer and set me up to be able to focus um but yeah, it, that's a really good point of like neurotypical people obviously have moments of distraction as well. Yeah, it's just, it's taken to that next level. One of the biggest manifestations for me is uh, is not just with work, but it's actually with cleaning my apartment and keeping things neat and tidy. My apartment is in a constant state of disarray. Like it's just, it's the messiest little box you've ever been in. Because um, I just, I can't, I don't have the ability to like, put things away and it, it'll drive my sister nuts because she'll be like just just take the piece of garbage and put it in the trash it's not that hard you finish eating your candy bar put the wrapper in the trash that's it um but I just like I I can't mm-hmm. and I don't know how else to, to say it other than I just can't and that happens in so many different areas whether it's at school at work um it's just not being able to focus or find the motivation to do these nitty-gritty little things that the culmination of all those things can really take a toll on your mental health and can really affect our ability to be high functioning. I think um, kind of getting into some wrapping up thoughts, I feel like 
the answer to focus and attention is that there is no answer, at least not yet for us. Um, yeah, your strategies can change over time. It's a flexible thing. The main thing I'd say is is sort of give yourself that safety to not be able to focus. Sometimes like try not to beat yourself up so hard for it because I've said a lot of really mean things to myself when I can't oh, focus yeah. and trying to just allow that, allowing myself to recognize this isn't my fault. This is just how my brain is built. How do we work with it and not against it? Yeah, and also like coming to terms with the idea, I try this a lot of um, this is the best you can do right now. Mm. And like whatever that is, is whatever it is. Um, arguably like the vast majority of things that I can't focus on are not life and death, life or death um, in my life. And you know, perhaps that's different for other people and that's obviously a very different circumstance. But for me, kind of being like, all right, so you know, what if, what if I don't do well? Like really focusing on like, you know, it's okay. Like what I do right now is what I do right now. And that takes some pressure off, which then eases some of the anxiety, which is the whole irony of this cyclical anxiety thing in the first place. The more you think of it, the worse it gets. Um, but yeah, kind of like be kind to yourself and don't focus on the result. And if the result is great, that's not a reflection of you not struggling. That doesn't mean you didn't struggle to get to that result. And it doesn't mean that your struggle is like worse or better or any, like you can't compare your struggle to anyone else's struggle. Like, yeah, people struggle to get good grades. Um, but I think it's just important to acknowledge like how your mental health um, interacts with that struggle to get good grades. Like it is, it's just a different playing field. Yeah. Just a different circumstance. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, in true ADHD fashion and very on brand for this episode, I forgot my last point, so I'm just going to leave it there. I think that's a perfect place to end. All right. Thanks for tuning in. This has been High Functioning. Okay.